Hello, and welcome to the Magic for Realists podcast. This is the 19th dose, and it's called Clues. This one builds on some thoughts from last week about scene analysis. So right off the bat, if you haven't listened to the 18th dose yet, I would recommend listening to that one first. This one will make more sense. And after you've listened to that one, then welcome to this one called Clues. And thanks for being, it's funny, podcasters say thanks for being here. I guess here then has flexed from being just a physical space to also being a podcast connection. So thanks for being in this podcast connection. And I'm making this podcast in general because I want to point out and notice some magic in the sense of some of the the energy and power and mystery and sparkle and tingle that is in the everyday normal real world that is embedded in the physical existence that we participate in and I want to point out some of that and share it with you in hopes that it will help your life be more meaningful and enjoyable and more fun, actually. And I'm making this particular podcast because I want to continue on the idea from last week. And yeah, this is a kind of little chunks of a big theme that is important to me around the interconnection between uh, stuff and like physical physical things and our emotional and spiritual experience and the way that those influence each other. So this one's called Clues because uh, I want to take a little bit more detailed look at some of the ways that our physical stuff can give us clues as to what's going on in our interior landscape and how those influence each other. So last week I gave you some exercises about how to notice your environment, especially a familiar environment with fresh eyes. Start looking at placement and color and themes and just to try and awaken your senses, particularly sight, but probably other ones as well, hopefully were were heightened, to notice what's going on. And to reiterate, this is because we are, even if you're on a kind of um, spiritual or meditative or contemplative path, you are also fully and participating in this material plane of existence. And I see a lot of connections between the, the physical world and our emotional and spiritual experience. And I think they influence each other. So we can get clues as to what the health and um, personality and struggles and, and insights into how to shift things by looking at our physical environment. So some of these cl- uh, clues can be taken very, uh, very exactly, like in some systems of um, noticing these, it can either be like a mind-body connection or 
like a, a house interior design connection to spirit um, in different healing modalities or in feng shui, for example, which is an Eastern-based um, long-standing tradition of looking and working with energy in, in a home, sp- in an interior, like home office, home or office space and how, and how placement of objects affects energy flow. In some of those systems, the, the correspondences between, um, either like placement or organs or color is very, um, like there's a formula to it and it's very exact. And, um, though I've read a lot of those and I find them pretty fascinating, I don't prescribe to, uh, a really, um, I don't prescribe to, I don't, prescribed to a really prescriptive formula as far as like what means what. Similar to how um, sometimes in understanding like nighttime dream world stuff, people are looking for an interpretation like a, these books like, you know, a thousand dream symbols. And um, I don't work with those. I, as I understand it, because each person's experience and like lexicon of meaning from those experiences and their culture and all these things influence their their nighttime dream world different things are going to mean different things to different people so the biggest clue uh, clue I use for for example understanding my own dreams is is my own understanding of them like how do I feel about it what do I think that it might be um showing me about my life or my psyche or my worries and and if I'm talking with somebody else there's this um kind of practice in in some dream work circles like in if you're having a discussion around dreams with other people um that I find really helpful and it's uh it's the requirement to frame any interpretation you might have for somebody else with the phrase if it were my dream, I think it would mean, and that's the way of, of rem- reminding both the, the, the teller and the receiver that everybody is coming from their own subjective position. Uh, so, so it's all like, if this were my dream, this would mean. So sliding this sort of concept over to the, the meaning of the way that our physical space is and what clues that might be giving us about our own situation. It's kind of like interpreting dreams. So you might find it interesting to look at uh, another system of exact symbols, to look at some feng shui understandings or um, drawing a blank on the other mind-body ones in particular. Uh, But there's some systems of like, you know, if... uh, what bo- what body parts are connected to different parts of your house and what body parts are connected to different emotions. Any system that makes a correspondence like that, go ahead and, and look at them. They're, they can be very cool and probably hold some insight. Similar to how a, a dream interpretation manual or assistant could give you some insight into your what is happening in your dreams. Um, but sim- so similarly to how your dreams are influenced and reflecting your waking life, 
I think your physical uh, space, the way that things are, the way that the mess is, the way that they're arranged, the, the stuff that comes in and out is also connected to your um, interior landscape of thoughts and emotions and fears and beliefs and all that stuff. So I'm going to give you some clues that I've noticed in my life, and they're only from my life and from my observations of other people from my perspective. So only take these if they're helpful. And hopefully you'll sort of get a feel for for these clues and be able to then notice some of your own that might work in, in your um, particular pairing of experience, culture, psychology, etc. Um, okay, so one of the clues is kind of a playful one that um, I like noticing what words I notice. So a lot of these um the way that synchronicities can work is about how how we are noticing. So there's so much information about, or sorry, so much information coming at us in the form of like stimulus and really direct like advertisements or colors or cars going by or like the, the list of, of information that we see in a day is staggering and we only really absorb and definitely only think about a small percentage of that information. So if you start to notice what, what words you notice, then that is, that can act as a clue as to, oh, like I like imagining it like a, oh yeah, like somebody's left me clues about maybe a theme or uh, a feeling or a desire that um, that is coming up. So for example, um, I just started renting a studio space to make more physical art in and I'm really excited about it and a little bit scared and on the outside of the building or the outside of the window of my studio there is decals from what, from the business that used to be there, probably two or three businesses before. I'm not sure if these are the last tenants, but they're out of date decals. And it's for a first aid company, like teaching first aid. And um, so there's like the name of the company and the phone number. And it says, you know, like first aid training. And then it also says, uh, something stress-free learning environment and it's got all these it's like two full windows of decals and every time I would go and look at the studio before I rented it uh I would I would look at the decals and I would notice the phrase stress-free learning environment and and I would just like it would pop out and be like stress-free learning environment oh and so I took this as a clue that that's something I was wanting, that I wanted that space to be a stress-free learning environment for me. Do you see what I mean? Because actually the decals say lots of other things. I could have looked at it and noticed that part of their phone number said 911. And I could have been like, oh my goodness, this is terrible. Like 
this this studio is doomed to be a disaster and I'm going to have to call 911. <laughs> but instead, I noticed the other sign that said, stress-free learning environment. <laughs> so when we, when we understand, like, even if we, the far, the, these could be taken all the way to be like signs and omens. And I just want to point out that the, the signs are also signs of what, what's going on in our mind of what we're looking for. Um, this is a classic, uh, it's a different understand. no, not classic. It's a different understanding for me of what the ancient, this is a, a phrase from Jesus and lots of other people, the, um, the seeking you shall find, asking you'll find what you're looking for, seeking you will find, asking you'll find what you're looking for. The asking you'll find what you're looking for is, an, is another way of phrasing that. But the, um, the seeking you will find, at first I thought that meant like, you know, just like, like awesome, you're going to like get all your wishes come true. But do you also see how seeking you will find what you're looking for? Like, if you're looking, you're going to find it. Like, there's everything happening in the world. Everything is already here. And so what you go looking for is what you will find. Um, This plays out so many times. So, in clues, if you notice what you're noticing, then that's going to start to tell you what you're looking for. Okay, so instead of of finding the thing that you're looking for, sometimes we don't we don't know what we're looking for. And so if we notice what we're finding, that will tell us what we're looking for, what we have been, have been searching. And if we don't like what we're finding, we need to change what we're looking for. I hope that makes sense. So one of the clues is to notice the words or the phrases that are popping out to you, um, that they are reoccurring and that's giving you a clue as to something that you may be wanting to pay attention to. Okay, another clue is where is where have you forgotten your stuff? Where is your stuff? So I forget when I came across this idea, but I, I quite like it and I play with it. That um, our stuff is an extension of of us. We've probably chosen to buy it or we've chosen to keep it. And it somehow has our, our kind of energy, personality. We have some kind of attachment to it. We think, if you think anything is yours, then you have an attachment to it. Like even that possessive pronoun implies that you feel some energetic attachment to it. So where, where you leave your things by mistake, quote unquote, or on purpose, is a clue as to where some of your energy rests. So some people, when they travel um, or when they visit other people, are super, super careful to not leave anything behind, like almost like crime scene careful, like it would just be terrible if they left anything behind. And to me, this would indicate kind of a fear that they uh, almost like they don't want to be remembered that uh they or they don't want it to be known that they were there like there's a there's a secrecy to the overly caring about not leaving something behind it's annoying to leave something behind and like need to go back and get it or be missing something you love 
But if you're like, if you're like super, super worried about happening to forget somebody at a, something at a friend's house, why is that? Why, why is it, why does it matter? Like maybe, maybe it's okay to have your presence there linger a little bit longer. Does that make any sense? I hope so. And, uh, similarly, notice if you forget something somewhere and you, you think it was by accident, maybe it's also some of, some part of you hasn't really left that maybe you didn't really want to leave, or maybe you, you just want your presence to linger there. Sometimes it can be kind of sneaky where you, you might like say you're courting somebody and you're not sure if you're going to get to see them again. And so you like happen to forget your jacket in their car and then you have to be in touch to, to go get your jacket. So you've like, you've created kind of like a hook to get to see them again. This could be playful and fun or it could be like manipulative and not so helpful. Um, you can also think about right now, where is your stuff in the world? Do you have some stuff in your parents' basement? Do you have some stuff at the office? Do you have some stuff on the other side of the world where you used to live? Where is your stuff? And if you imagine that like a map, that's probably an indication of where your some part of your presence and memory still is. I think this is one of the reasons why we can see a correspondence between people who live like if you think of the extreme of like a monk who's really contemplative, that they have less stuff. That's like kind of goes hand in hand. And they're also more present. Like they, there's this, you can, if you imagine, a, I've never met somebody entirely like this, but the people who are towards it that I've met, who are more um like live in the moment and seem peaceful and just super present, like they don't, they don't have plans for the future, they are just present, they, they also have less, in my opinion, they also have less stuff, like they, they've physically left less things behind, um, you know, if you're the traveler with just a backpack is free to move around however they wish, and is just in the moment with whatever's going to happen next, because their, their presence their stuff isn't everywhere. They don't have a lot to take with them. Um, that said, there's also the opposite of that is that sometimes somebody with a big like presence or influence might have things that they own spread over a large distance. They might have like property in lots of places, or they might have their you know their brand or their style has like gone out into the world, and. And they might have a, a a large kind of spread. And like the spread of their physical stuff is connected to the spread of their ideas and their um, influence. These are all ways of talking about how the physical and the um, personality interior experience are connected. Pause for a drink of tea. Okay, the next clue is about the overall state of mess that you are comfortable with. And 
it might be interesting to think about your parents' houses, like the house that you grew up in, and maybe what their houses are like now, and your house, and what it, uh, what it looks like in comparison. And hopefully either think back or actually try and find another place, maybe a house or a restaurant or some other, a house would be best. Um, it could be a picture or a movie or ideally in person, another house that is totally different than yours, that, um, that operates at a different, like, normal level of, of order or chaos. And so, so some people, like, for some people, cleaning up is, gets a house to the state that another house would consider totally a mess. And for some people living in an extremely tidy, clean, sparse house would feel really unsettling. And for some people living in a like messy house would be like completely unfunctional. So you probably have kind of a resting point that's like the normal state of your house. And then at some point it gets to be like way too messy or, or way too sparse and clean. And chances are it probably veers more towards the messy side because entropy is at work. <laughs> um, so see if you can notice that the sort of operate, like the, the op, not the operating level, the kind of, yeah, the median, the normal middle average. There we go. The average. And how is that reflective or connected to other areas of your life, like your finances and how organized or chaotic they are? How much do you know what's going on in your bank account? Uh, how they're connected to your like address book or your schedule or your train of thought? Like, are you often thinking about many things at once? And, and are they similar or different than the regular state of your house? And then the thing I'd like to invite you to play with this week is to see how changing that, see if you can notice how changing that might influence your, um, your feelings. So for example, if you, like this, one of the smallest ones to try this with is the dishes. I love talking about dishes. Um, see if, like at the end of the day, do you normally leave dishes undone or all finished? And if you try doing the opposite of what you normally do. So if you normally really make sure that all the dishes are cleaned and put away, see what happens if you just leave them out. Does it feel stressful? Does it feel liberating? Does it feel shameful? Does it feel fun? Or if you normally leave the dishes all out, see what happens if for a few days you completely clean them right like before you go to bed or even like as soon as they're dirty. What happens if you just meticulously keep the kitchen situation clean? Does How does that feel? And you can extend this to other areas like your closet or your bed. Do you normally make your bed or not make your bed? Um, do you sweep the floor every day or not? And how does the changing one way or the other, that kind of routine and state of mess or cleanliness influence how you feel about your day, yourself, maybe there's people around you, notice how they feel, um, and 
and, and see what happens. So the, those are the three clues to, I think that was three, help you investigate uh, this week. Noticing the words and phrases that you notice. And what was the second one? I didn't have my notebook card this today, so I don't remember what the second one was. The third one was about uh, noticing the, the mess or state of your house. And that's funny. You probably already know. I find this funny about podcasting where like you can know at the beginning how long I'm going to talk for and I don't. Anyways, I hope the second one was actually meaningful because I've forgotten it now. And... I'm on my way to go help somebody sort out their garden shed because they're moving and I wonder what I'm going to learn about the state of their history from the probably quite petrified things in the garden shed. Anyways, um, also want to send out a welcome to um, the people who've recently started listening to this podcast. I'm so glad to have you on board and along. Thanks for joining and... As always, if any of you want to get in touch and say hello and yeah, ask me any questions or comments, you can leave a hello in the voice note link in the show notes or come find me in Instagram at Magic for Realists or the website, the podcast website, magicforrealists.ca. I love hearing from you and I also would be super thrilled if you shared this with anybody else you think would vibe with it that would be awesome and if you're interested in physically clapping and cheering through money you can go to patreon.com slash magic for realists the link through that to that is also on the podcast website those are super appreciated and until next time i hope you experience some magic in the real world especially as you notice your environment and look for clues as to what's going on and this time I also feel like sending you all big hugs. You're probably not getting enough hugs these days. Because when do we ever, and especially now. So this is an auditory hug, and I'm sending it to you, wherever you are. Bye for now. <laughs>